brand new episode of That's Odd. I am one of your hosts, Johnny Townsend, and with me, as always, is a man who's also a myth, perhaps even a legend, I dare say, Chris Chavez. What's up, Chris? Hey, what's up, dude? How's it going? What's up, creepers? How's everyone doing? Wouldn't it be we're weird if we heard fine. a? I was gonna say, wouldn't it be weird if we heard a response like out of nowhere in your ears, like "We're good, thanks." <laughs> Holy sh! Ghosts are listening to Interactive us. Interactive podcasting—that's the future, <laughs> yeah. right there. You know what? It might be. Who knows? <laughs> Let's be the first on that. That's odd. That is odd. That's very odd. What's Speaking up, of dude? That's odd. Uh, well, not a lot. Not a lot. Uh, been uh, uh, this may be a little late. I actually had some family things happen. I had a death in my family, so yeah, sorry uh, about that, man. I appreciate that. And then, of course, on top of that, we've had Carter being sick. I think he's feeling better now, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think he was he was down for the count uh, for a little bit there. He was sequestered, put away. Yeah, he wasn't allowed around his family, his daughter. That's right. And he got that nasty flu. Oof. That nasty, nasty flu that was going around. Dude, that's kind of scary because uh, I was when I started seeing reports of just people dying, but like normal, healthy younger people just dying. Yeah, uh, that was creepy. Yeah. Well, also, did you see that report of? I think it was in Atlanta. I could be wrong on that. Where that guy who worked for the CDC, yes, uh, went missing. I don't know yes. if they ever find that guy. No, I believe he is still missing. That is now that is creepy right there. Talk about a current yeah. creep. So the CDC, uh, if you're not, sh- if you don't know what that is, it's the Center for Disease Control. Basically, uh, around the country are these are these buildings and and centers where. Uh, scientists, you know, basically study diseases, dis- all kinds. Uh, I don't know if they create diseases, like they do things. I don't know what they do, to be honest with you. But I know that they they have a they're a big part of like studying the different strains of the flu that come out each year, studying you know all kinds of diseases and trying to figure out cures and try to figure out how to how to best you know attack and get rid of some of these things. Um, so for a scientist that deals with that stuff. To just completely go missing one day, uh, that's a little creepy. That's a little, that right. that's almost like Hollywood uh, horror movie storyline already. Yeah, I think I think he had left behind his keys and a couple other things that he wouldn't normally leave behind if he was going on a trip or something. Too strange. Yeah, it's very odd. We'll have to look into say. that. I think maybe we'll bring that up as as some uh, updated information, current creep on on the next episode of History Creeps. I'll make a note to that's- do that. That's a good idea. We'll probably forget about that note, but I like how you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as as the peeps know, as the creepers know, uh, of course, let's uh, let's just go ahead and say this real quick. Go to our Patreon, uh, look up History Creeps, and uh, support us if you want. We do appreciate it. It'd help us out. And you get cool things. Extra audio. Uh, That's right. A vote on the poll. And uh, we also added to the uh board members who are voting on polls uh for the round table they also get outtakes of the round table recordings as well so uh go check it out see see if you want to support if not we still enjoy uh doing the show and uh we appreciate all your support and listening yeah if you want to hear me ramble about uh candy bars and tacos and why they're all just hell now uh, <laughs> that that's a good idea for doing that there you go <laughs> uh, so uh, as people know that's odd is uh is when... <laughs> Is where you and I, uh, we each bring a smaller story that perhaps wouldn't be uh, big enough for a full episode of History Creeps. Yeah. And we kind of bring it to the table here. 
and we each have one. Uh, I think we said I was going to go first, correct? Yeah, that works. All right, well, I actually saw this story about this man. I had never heard of this before. Uh, on a, I don't know if you watch this channel on YouTube. It's called BuzzFeed Unsolved. No, uh-uh. It's a good channel to go check out, by the way. They got all kinds of things from the stuff, usually stuff we would talk about. Uh, you know, everything from ghosts to, to aliens to unsolved crimes and stuff of that nature. So, uh, But they had this episode about a man named Ken Rex McElroy. Now, a lot of my information is going to come from that video. I highly recommend you go and check it out. They do a lot of really great research on there. And the two guys have really good uh, back and forth, so it's not boring at all either. Uh, but also, obviously, looked into a lot of the different things that were said. So, here we go. Ken Rex McElroy. Now, Chris, you know, Batman has this thing where uh, he doesn't kill, right? So, like, he that's says. It. So, he said, unless you're watching... A Zack Snyder film, or you're reading, he doesn't murder, or you're reading 1930s, 1940s Batman, right? Yes, so, the Batman from the animated series that I love, <laughs> and and Adam West, because uh, neither. Well, I was gonna say, does, doesn't Michael Keaton's Batman kill? He somewhat kills the Joker, doesn't he? The Joker does fall from the building. So well, you're ruining my point here. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes, okay, I get, Superman doesn't wait. Hold on, he killed too. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't kill anymore? When uh, we think of a it. superhero, they have a code, right? Like yeah. Batman technically has a code. That's all that the uh, Batman, re- uh, the the Dark Knight Returns was kind of about was the code of Batman. He wouldn't kill the Joker because it's against his code, right? His one rule, right? Uh, and that is because if you murder someone, then you yourself are also a murderer, right? Uh, I believe it's how it works, yeah. Okay, but what if the situation is a little more, uh, how shall we say, dicey? It's not exactly black and white. So you're saying it's gray. It is definitely a shade of gray. Now, I'm definitely one of those who tries to stick with the whole Batman thing. Uh, of the whole, uh, if you murder somebody, you're a murderer yourself, too. I mean, that's... Even if you're justified in it, you still took a life. So, if, however, let me ask you this just one real quick. Uh, that whole scenario that everyone has, if you had a time machine and could go back and kill Hitler, that oh, make, yeah, yeah. That just yeah. makes you a murderer, or are you, have you saved just millions and millions of lives? I, I think it's both. Oh, okay. I mean, it's technically both, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's so it's hard. That's the, it's it's at that right. point where you start to say. But you're well, thinking. You're thi- you I like how you're thinking though. I like murderer. how you're thinking though. Yeah, I like how you're thinking though. So keep that in mind. There's a reason I brought this up. Excellent. <clears throat> okay, so uh, Ken Rex McElroy was born in on June first, nineteen thirty four, and he moved when he got older and got his own little farm in a little town called Skidmore in Missouri. This town is really, really small. It's a really small farming town. I mean, it's so small that in 2010, when they did the census there, the population was 284. So it is a small place. And in the 80s, and in the 80s, I think they said uh, it was around a little over 400 or something like that, between 4 and 500. So it's always been a small place. Uh, McElroy was known as the town bully. He was pretty large. Uh, he was over six foot tall and between 250 and 300 pounds. And he would push people around and uh, pretty much generally thought he would get his own way. Uh, what I was reading about how he kind of acted, it really reminded me of uh, of uh, the the uh, Biff from Back to the Future <laughs> kind Mc, of thing. That's McFly! Pretty... Yeah. <laughs> you home, anybody home, McFly? What's the matter? 
chicken. <laughs> that, that, that guy. Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like he's a way worse version of that guy. Yeah. Like way worse. Uh, over his lifetime, he would end up being trialed for over 20 crimes. Uh, these crimes included stealing cattle and animals from other farms. Okay. Uh, he would end up shooting two different people. Ooh. Assault. And, of course, the one that, to me, is the worst of them all. Uh, he would molest children. Oh, jeez. All right. Yeah, so, so he's a piece of trash. Yeah. Uh, he would average over two or three arrests a year. Per year. But here's the kicker, Chris. He was only ever convicted once. He claimed that he was able to get out of all these uh, because his lawyer was a mob lawyer. I could never confirm that anywhere, but that's a claim he'd always make. So it was almost getting to the point where no matter what he did, he could get away with it. Hmm. Also, and I'm trying to paint a picture of this guy. He was also married three times. And I'm using the term marriage uh, loosely. Uh, his marriages would overlap each other. It's unknown that they're even legal at certain points. Uh, one of his wives, he actually, uh, I don't know how to put this nicely, he got together with when she was only 14 and got her pregnant. So he, yeah, he molested a child. Yeah, he molested a child, yes. Uh, and raped, I guess. Yes, exactly. But she would end up marrying him later and... So it's just a weird kind of Stockholm Syndrome type of thing, yeah. I, I feel. Anyway, uh, he would harass witnesses uh, to his crimes. And he would do this like he would follow them in his truck and he would always show them that he had a gun, that type of thing. Uh, he would threaten them. He once, uh, it's even believed that he actually, one of his uh, wives, when she was younger, uh, ran away from him and ran away to her parents' house. And then her parents' house uh, ended up burning down. And uh, obviously he was the number one suspect, but right. nobody was nobody uh, was hurt in it. I mean, just the house was burnt down, and the the uh, wife came out and said, "No, nah, it was faulty wiring." Though everybody thinks it was not, it was him. So I'm I'm setting all this up to bring me to the year 1980. There, uh, you know, you have a small town. Usually, a small town will have like a, a small grocery uh, convenience store type place, right? Yeah. Well, this one had one of those. A quickie mark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that type of thing. Yes. Uh, so one of his kids, one of McElroy's kids, apparently tried to steal a candy bar from this store, the town store. Now, the town store is owned by Ernest Bo Bowenkamp. Uh, Bo is his nickname. That's what everybody in the town called him. Uh, so when his kid, when McElroy's kid was accused of stealing, this made him irate, which I don't understand since he stole all the time. But uh, he got very mad about this, and he began to stalk the whole Bowen Camp family. And not just the Bowen Camp family. Anybody that he felt was on Bowen Camp's side on this. Like from the from like the pastor of the local church to, uh, to whoever else. Uh, he would actually, at one point, when it got the worst, he found uh, Bowen Camp at the back of his store. And he approached him with a shotgun and shot him in the neck. Oh, jeez. Yeah, somehow, somehow, luckily for Bowenkamp, he did survive this. But this was the time when McElroy was arrested, charged with attempted murder. And this was the first and only time he was ever actually convicted of a crime. 
the 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 mob was just like, eh, this time we're not going to help you out, buddy. There's not a lot they could do. <laughs> uh, so uh, he was freed on bail, though, uh, pending his appeal. So this sets up what happens to this person. Uh, after his release, he would go. There was like also, of course, when you have a small town, you got a small uh, grocery store. You also have the local bar. And he would go to this local bar with a gun in hand, by the way, and drink and just make incredible, horrible threats against Camp as he was sitting there drinking with a gun in his hand. It's insane. All right, so all this leads up to July 10th, 1981. McElroy and his wife are at that bar, at the town's local bar. Mm-hmm. Now, remember that I said that this guy was the town's bully? Yeah. Imagine that you're such a bully that everybody's afraid slash hates you that they would have a town meeting just about you. <laughs> That's what happened here. That's the townspeople, all the townspeople had a town meeting. This meeting included the sheriff and the, even the mayor of this town were all there. And it was all to discuss what to do about McElroy because they felt since they couldn't really do anything. I mean, he's been arrested so much, even the police were afraid of him. You know, like, so they didn't feel like they were being protected at all. I mean, even at one point it was said that during this meeting that the sheriff said, why don't we form a neighborhood watch? And people practically just laughed at him like that would, they knew they wouldn't do anything. I mean, they're just going to watch him, you know, uh, harass people is all you would do pretty much. So the meeting kind of just ends, right? At this point around, it's, I've heard different numbers, but usually the, the number I hear the most is around 60. Around 60 people went from this meeting uh, to the bar after the meeting. Uh, so I'm thinking they got really riled up, thinking that, you know, this sheriff sitting here saying, let's just form a neighborhood watch. They're never going to do anything about this guy. It's obvious. Right. So McElroy was actually in his truck with his wife. Uh, somebody creeped up behind him with a gun and shot him in the back of the head. Ooh. It killed him. Yeah, he died right then and there. They didn't do anything to the wife. She kind of ran from the truck. Oh, my God. That's insane. So they killed this guy. They never even called an ambulance for this. Oh, my God. No one ever called an ambulance. Not even the wife. That's how much this man was hated. Right. That's how much this man was hated. To this day, Chris, to this day, this is why this story is even more wild. To this day, despite there being well over 60 witnesses, apparently, no one has (sighs) ever been charged for this crime. And his murder is technically still unsolved. Wow. Holy cow. Apparently, anytime they would try to uh, uh, to figure out who did it, nobody would put a finger any, on anybody. You know, even though everybody kind of knew in that yeah, town. Yeah. Now, I'm going to fast forward it. one more little note to this story. On July 9th, 1984, Trina McElroy, that was his wife that was with him when he was shot and killed, uh, she actually filed a, uh, filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the town itself, the sheriff, the mayor, and a man named Dale Clement. Now, the only reason that he's brought up is he's he's the number one suspect in this whole thing. He's the one that everybody thinks really did, was the one who pulled the trigger. But nobody ever turned him in. Nobody ever said for sure he did it. And he was actually never, ever charged for it. But she sued all these people for a wrongful death lawsuit for over $6 million. Wow. That now, is what happened, crazy. Now, what happened with the settlement, though, was it was settled out of court for $17,600, and no one had to admit guilt. That is really crazy, dude. That's insane. Yeah. So this guy was so hated 
that he was murdered in the middle of the street and no one turned him in despite there being over 60 witnesses. That's how much they hated this guy. Let me ask you something. Yeah. Are you are you ratting? They come to you. You were there. You saw it. You saw him go up to him and kill the guy that everybody hates. Uh, the cops come to you and they're like, well, you, we saw we saw that you were here. Uh, did you see who shot him? Do you tell the truth or do you say, yeah, I didn't see a thing? You know, I like to think that I would I would always try to do the right thing, what's right, even if it was against what everybody wanted me to do. Yeah. But in this case, in this case, if I knew all the things this man had done. Yeah, it's hard, right? It's hard it, to it, say. That'd be tough. It'd be tough for me to say. I honestly don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was obvious this guy was not an outstanding citizen. And the whole... <laughs> no. uh, and the whole uh, molesting children thing, that really bothers oh, me quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, for I can't sure. stand that. Uh, and the fact that he's literally shot people. One of the people that he shot, you know, he shot the Bowen Camp guy. That's the one I told you. The other one that he shot, he was on this guy's land, on this guy's farm, trying to steal one of his animals or something like that. The guy caught him, and he was telling him to get off his land, so McElroy turned around and shot him in the stomach. Oh, jeez. And I think that guy lived, too, somehow. So apparently he's also a terrible shot. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, this was one of those cases when I was reading this, I was fascinated by the fact that, you know, I like to think sometimes, like I said before, you don't kill a murderer, but, you know, it's kind of hard yeah. to to really blame these townspeople for taking a law in their own hands on this in this case. Yeah, you're not kidding. Because <clears throat> what I mean, like what you when you say, when the entire town has a meet, like, can you imagine if you're that dude? Did he not know this? Was this a secret? Like, literally, did everyone have to be hush-hush about where, where they were going Sunday night at 5? I don't think he knew about the meeting at all, but I do think he knew everybody was kind of afraid slash hated him. He did, And he kind of wore that with, from the sounds of things that I've read and seen, uh, he kind of wore that with a badge of honor. He was proud to be that, that much of a dick. Like, so I don't care what you think of me, butthead. Yeah. <laughs> oh Lord, dude. Yeah, that's insane. That's pretty thing that, crazy. The other thing that blew me away was there. There's a town in Missouri. It's called Skidmore. What a weird name for a town. <laughs> Speaking of skid, uh, yeah, it's funny because uh, the word turns up in my story today. Um, oh, well, maybe there's a row there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you ever been to Los Angeles, California? No, but I've seen it on the TV. All right, so. <laughs> You've seen it on the TVs. Uh, so you do know the, the idea behind Skid Row comes comes from the area in L.A. Uh, where uh, during the Great Depression and, and then moving forward, I think it was straight into the 80s and 90s, there was just it was uh, known as the, the the area where it's it's just the dumps. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, the yeah. dregs of society, people, poor um, violence, crime. It's it's all there. Uh if you go down to downtown L.A. now, Los Angeles now, it's not as bad, I don't believe. Um, but there's a hotel there. It's called the Stay on Main Hotel. It's a budget hotel uh, located at 640 South Main Street. Uh, it's been there since 1927. It's a large building. Uh, holds 600 guest rooms. Uh, the, the hotel itself used to go by a different name, though. It used to be known as the Hotel Cecil. And the Hotel Cecil is the topic of my That's Odd today because uh, this hotel seems to have its own curse. Uh, and I say that because so many bad things have happened or are tied to this hotel. Uh, it's, it's, it's It makes you sit back and go, wait, there, what is with it? What's going on in this, this hotel? 
Uh, so a real quick piece of history on the hotel. It was constructed in 1924 by hotelier uh, William Banks Hanner. It was uh, built specifically for business travelers and tourists. It was designed by Loy Lester Smith in a bow arts style, and the hotel cost $1 million to complete. Uh, it was beautiful for its time. It had uh, a huge lobby with marble and stained glass windows, uh, alabaster statuary all over the place. Um, he wanted this place to attract you know, some of the higher-end people coming through the state. However, like I said before, the Great Depression hits, and during the 30s and 40s, everything that was you know, decadent and great about this area just goes straight down and becomes known as Skid Row. Uh, it's said that there were as many as 10,000 homeless people that lived within a four-mile radius of this place. Uh, by the 1950s, the hotel gained the reputation as a residence for transients. Um, it started to clean itself up in 2011. It rebranded itself to stay on Maine. Uh, and then in 2013, it hit the news once again. However, before we get to that, uh, I want to talk about this hotel. All of the things that were tied to this throughout its history that give the name of the Cecil uh, the nickname. It became known in the fifth by the by the 50s. It became known as Suicide Hotel, not Cecil Hotel. Uh, so I'm gonna we're gonna go through a, a, some of these uh, crazy, just weird things that had happened there. Some of them sad, some of them tragic. Uh, one of them definitely bizarre, and I think we've talked and touched on it before. Uh, but it really sounds like it's something that we're gonna have to hit again because that story is crazy as well. So are you ready for a timeline of suicides, deaths, and just overall horrendousness? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, 1931. Uh, November 19th, 1931, Manhattan Beach resident W.K. Norton, 46, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison capsules. A week prior, he had checked into the Cecil under the name James Willies from Chicago. His death appears to be the earliest known suicide at the hotel. Uh, I don't know if it says and from what I have, the, the information I have here is just a listing of things. So I don't know if it's it, what the reason was that he killed himself, but that does not sound like a good way to go, go man. Ingesting poison. No, that sounds terrible. Oh, geez. Uh, about a year later, September 1932, a maid found Benjamin Dodich, 25, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. He did not leave a suicide note. So that's the thing. These suck whenever there's no suicide notes because then you're just left wondering, like, what was the point? Or was it Yo. suicide? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, here we go again. Next, in a couple of years later, July 1934, former Army Medical Corps Sergeant Louis D. Borden, 53, was found dead in his room at the Cecil. He had slashed his throat with a razor. Borden, Borden left several notes, one of which cited poor health as the reason for his suicide. Um, and we have to remember, we're talking now the late 1930s and 40s during the Great Depression. So really, suicide, high suicide rate, especially in this area, when they said it was surrounded by 10,000 poor people, you know what I mean? Homelessness. Uh, it, it's not really far-fetched to see an increase in suicide. It's just crazy that it's this hotel they went to. Uh, and then what you're going to see now is the reasoning for this hotel. It's a bigger hotel. Like I said, it's got six, uh, 600 rooms. March 1937, three years after the uh, the medical uh, the sergeant killed himself, Grace E. Margo, Magro fell from a nine-story window. Her fall was broken by telephone wires, which were wrapped around her body. 
She later died at the now-demolished Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Police were unable to de- determine whether uh, Magro's death was the result of an accident or suicide. Um, that just does not feel like a good way to go either. Good Lord. You know, you know, if you just stop there with everything that happened there, yeah, that's bad enough, right? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. That, that's, that's just four. One, two, three, four within a four-year period, five-year period. Um, yeah. But it keeps going. The very next year, 1938, January, Marine Fireman Roy Thompson, 35, jumped from Cecil's top floor and was found on the skylight of the neighboring building. He had been staying at the Cecil for several weeks. Can you imagine being in the other at the other building and just hearing that thump, not knowing what it was? Then they yeah. find they find him, you know? Well, would you write it off? If you were in the other hotel, you would probably like, well, you know, because I've stayed at some hotels that were not maybe <laughs> the best. <laughs> and uh, I would if I would hear noises outside to keep myself from, you know, ruining whatever clothes I was wearing. I would uh, tell myself, oh, it's just uh, the building making noises or something just, like that. It's just settling. What if you know yeah. you find out? Yeah. Like, you literally look up and see that. Are you like, all right, TripAdvisor, your rating is going down. Yeah. <laughs> Dear horrible, Yelp. <laughs> In May 1939, a year after this one, uh, the Marine, Navy officer Irwin C. Neblet, 39, of the USS Wright, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison. What is with people ingesting poison? I don't know. Apparently, it's a big thing for this place. This is insane. January 40th, a teacher, Dorothy Skyger, 45, ingested poison while while staying at the Cecil and was reported by the Los Angeles Times to be, quote, near death. No further reports were ever published about her condition, so it's not known if she died of it. Um, oh, my God. That's just this insane. Four years later, September 44. Dorothy Jean Purcell, 19, was sharing a room at the Cecil with shoe salesman Ben Levine, 38. Purcell, who had apparently been unaware that she was pregnant, went into labor. She later testified that she did not want to disrupt the sleeping Levine, so she went to the bathroom where she gave birth to the baby boy. Oh, my gosh. Thinking the, ba- <laughs> thinking the baby was dead, she threw him out of the window where he landed on the roof of the adjacent building. She, oh, man, I'd hate to be that adjacent building. I really would. <laughs> she was charged with murder. Three psychiatrists testified that Purcell was mentally confused at the time of the incident. Uh, by 1945, she was found not guilty guilty by reason of insanity. Oh, that's just horrendous, dude. Like, why are you not closing this hotel down by now? Do you know what I mean? This just sounds like just one terrible thing after another terrible thing. Also, like... Obviously, we're, we're we're dudes, and we don't know the yeah. exact pain of childbirth, but we've been told it's it's yeah. it's one of the worst pains you can feel. She just goes to the bathroom. Oh, jeez! Because she doesn't want to wake the guy. Isn't that insane? That is that is well, really I mean, really I insane. I guess that's uh, it's not out of the norm for a woman to not know she's pregnant. They've I've seen shows these shows that they have where like the woman that thought she just had like upset stomach and went to the bathroom and popped out a baby. Wow. <laughs> have you not seen these? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. It's the creepiest <laughs> TV shows, dude. But it's about these people who didn't know they were pregnant, these women. And, like, they literally think they just have, like, upset stomachs or, or indigestion. And then it's a baby that pops out. Wouldn't you know if, like, I would you're think, getting right? larger? Right? right? I would think. <laughs> I don't know, man. 
I don't know. Anyway, huh. back to the death and hor- horror that is the Cecil Hotel. 19, okay. <laughs> 1947, November, Robert Smith, 35, died after jumping from one of Cecil's seventh floor windows. Uh, the, Did he land on the adjacent building again? Ooh, I hope not. Uh, I hope not either. Another thing that happened in 47. Now, this isn't a specific murder or suicide that happened there, but it was, but it was a specific person who was seen... Uh, having drinks uh in january at the cecil's bar shortly before her murder elizabeth short uh also known as the black dahlia yep that's a name i know yep 1947 it was said that she was seen having drinks at the hotel's bar uh and later was found dead uh cut in half as you know october 22nd 1954 so there's a seven-year respite before something else happens so they're like we're in the clear the 40s are done we're the 50s. We're a whole new hotel, new staff. Let's make a go of it by October. Oh, crap. San Francisco stationary firm employee Helen Gurney, 55, jumped from the window of her seventh floor room and landed on top of Cecil's marquee. One week prior, she had registered at the hotel under the name Margaret Brown. It sounds like this is where people go under you know their fake names to go kill themselves. They go there to die. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's not unusual or or unheard of for there to be certain places that people, uh, a lot of different people would choose as a place to do that. I mean, there's yeah. a forest in Japan or yeah. or in Asia somewhere. Yeah. Uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. There's all kinds of different places like that, sadly. Yeah. And that's the thing about the Cecil. There's so much tied to it because of it, uh, because of this. Um, February 11th, 1962. So, again, uh, seven years after uh, Helen Gurney jumped to her death. Julia Frances Moore, 50, jumped from the window of her eighth floor room and landed in a second-story interior light well. Moore did not leave a suicide note. Among her possessions were a bus ticket from St. Louis, 59 cents in change, and an Illinois bank book showing a balance of $1,800. Huh. Um, same year, later on, October 12, 62, Pauline Auten, 27, jumped from the window of her ninth floor room after an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. Dewey had left the room prior to Otten's suicide. Otten landed on a pedestrian, George Gianni, 65, killing them both instantly. Oh, that's terrible. As there were no witnesses, police initially thought Otten and Gianni committed suicide together. However, it was determined that Gianni had his hands in his pocket at the time of his death, and he was still wearing his shoes. Had he had jumped, his shoes would have likely fallen off during the fall or upon impact. Oh, man. Jesus, that's horrible. That one's just a little much. That I I don't know. I couldn't even imagine. Oh, like you like you have no say. You got up that morning. Yeah. You're doing your thing. You, you're just walking down the street, man. Hands in your pocket, whistling away. Yeah, just uh, not a care in the world. Oh my God! June fourth, sixty four. A couple of years after that, a hotel worker discovered Pigeon Goldie Osgood, a retired telephone operator, dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room was ransacked. Osgood was well-known around the area and had earned her nickname because she fed birds in nearby Pershing Square. Near her body was the Los Angeles Dodgers cap she always wore and a paper sack full of birdseed. Hours after her murder, Jacques B. Ellinger, 29, was seen walking through Pershing Square, the area in which Osgood fed birds, in blood-stained clothing. He was arrested and charged with Osgood's murder but was later cleared of the crime. Osgood's murder remains unsolved. Hmm. So that was 64. So now there's about 11 years that goes on before something else happens. Uh, but once again, 
it's a woman who jumps to her death. This time she's unidentified. 1975, December 20th, she jumps from her 12th floor window onto the Cecil's second floor roof. She had registered at the hotel on December 16th, just a few days earlier. Uh, that was 1975. So don't you think from all of these people jumping from their windows, they would have made it so you can't open the windows anymore or some sort of like screen? I feel like I don't know how true this is. You know, sometimes you hear things and you don't know if they're true or not. But I feel like there's a there's a place in China or one of those Asian places where uh, they've set it up like that where people because so many people were jumping out of the building where they can't do that anymore yeah it's insane so yeah you would think they at least put bars over the windows or something or make it where you know a lot of your a lot of the hotels now just have a set up where you can't open the windows right it doesn't open all the way you can crack it but yeah. it, it stops it's it's uh screwed down or something uh, right so from 1975 on it's it was fairly quiet i mean there were things that happened in the 80s there was a connection in terms of uh do you know about the serial killer Richard Ramirez? Yeah, the Night Stalker. Yeah, called? yeah, the Night yeah. Stalker, the guy that was a, a self-proclaimed Satanist. He was a serial killer, rapist, and burglar. He uh, he stayed there. He stayed at the hotel in, at one of the top floor rooms um, during the time he was committing murders. And in 1991, there's a guy by the name of Jack Unterweger. You ever hear of him? Uh, I don't know. He does not sound familiar. He's an Australia uh, Austrian. Uh, not Australian, Austrian serial killer who murdered sex workers in several countries. Here's the crazy thing about this guy. He was first convicted of a 1974 murder, and he was released in 1990 as an example of rehabilitation. He became a journalist uh, and a minor celebrity, but within months he just started killing again. Uh, and he oh, was wow. Yeah, he was staying at the, at the, uh, the Cecil Hotel. Um, so other than that, the Cecil didn't see any more crazy, weird deaths happening. Nobody was coming out there to jump out of the windows. Um, and then the Cecil Hotel once again hits the news February 19th, 2013. Uh, for a while now, uh, three weeks earlier, there was a girl by the name of Elissa Lamb. She was a 21-year-old Canadian student who had gone missing. She had gone to L.A. Uh, as a you know, on, on a trip, a vacation on her own to just kind of sightsee and see the city. And, and, and she was staying at the Cecil hotel, uh, and she disappeared. People couldn't find her, uh, three weeks she had been missing until all of a sudden people at the hotel started talking about the weird, uh, color and taste coming out of the water. Um, I believe, I, th I really feel like we may have touched on this or, or, or whatever on, on one of our past episodes, but, uh, the, the idea is, is they found her body inside one of the water tanks. And then it became a big deal in the news because the police released security footage of her just an hour or so right before she died. And Yeah, and it's, and it's very strange footage. Dude, this is one of the most bizarre pieces of footage. You can look it up on YouTube, uh, Elisa Lamb, and you will. It, it, it's like four minutes long. But it's I'm sure a lot of listeners have seen this before, so know what we're talking about. But if you haven't, a uh, quick description. Basically, it's security footage from inside an elevator. You see the elevator door open, and you see this woman walk in slowly. Um, she kind of like bends down to look at the numbers uh, for each of the floors, and she pushed, you can see her pushing or doing something to the numbers. And then she just kind of stands there and waits for the door to close. And the door doesn't close, and it stays open for a while. And then she just kind of like 
slowly creeps to the open door and leans out to look to see if she sees anyone and then she you know pulls back in real real quick all creeped out and then you see her back up and like press up against the wall uh, she goes she does a lot of she does a lot of strange dude, all kinds and, of stuff she yeah, goes out behavior wise she goes out she even holds her hands she even holds her hands in a weird way at, at certain times yeah she steps out and so. in a few times it's it's the weirdest thing to watch and then yeah then she's gone. Like you don't see her ever again, and until they find her body. So that was one of the biggest things that happened in 2013. Brought this thing right back to you know to the forefront. This this hotel, the forefront of our uh, awareness of all these crazy things happening. Uh, but all of a sudden, after this video was made public, everybody thought there was all kinds of things. Apparently, she had bipolar, and they said that depending on what medicines she was on and how severe her. her her bipolar had been or was at the time um she probably could have you know been seeing things however there's people who thinks that think that maybe it was like ghosts or spirits that were messing with her because uh, there are some people who are like how first of all how'd she get into the water tank uh, how did she lower the close the lid above her do you know what i mean like there's all these weird things on how she died uh but that would that happened in february 19th 2013 uh, a couple of years after that and the last thing to be documented really Going on with the Cecil Hotel was on June 30th, 2015. Body of a 28-year-old male was found outside the hotel. Some thought maybe he jumped from the hotel, though uh, other people said that it's it probably wasn't that. It didn't look like he had jumped. Um, and apparently the county coroner informed the Los Angeles Times that the co- Times that the cause of death had not been determined. I don't know if it has huh. been by now. But uh, isn't that crazy, dude? This hotel... Does not seem like a place I want to stay if I'm ever visiting L.A. Yeah, I think we're in that day and age now where everybody goes and looks online at the reviews of different hotels they're going to be staying at. Yeah, they can choose from. Oh, I wonder what this one. Why says. on earth would you choose that one? This one has to be incredibly cheap, <laughs> like crazy, crazy cheap. Well, I don't know now because think about the idea of people in like who are into ghost hunting and you know what I mean. Like, this would be a place where they could make their money now. They know people are coming there to do some sort of ghost hunting or anything. TripAdvisor, stay on Main Hotel. I want to see what their rates are roughly. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess. I guess. I see what you're saying. Uh, Man, it's just, I don't know. And this also just brings into the forefront just uh, how much we don't know and how much more we need to learn about uh, our mental states that we have. Yeah. You know, uh and obviously, we just want to, and I'm sure Chris breaks me up on this. Uh, if you're having any sort of suicidal thoughts or anything like that, please, oh, yeah. please seek help. Yeah. Please seek help. Plenty of places you can go. There's numbers you can call. For uh, sure. Yeah, there's no need to, it's, it's, you know, it's sad. take another step there. Yeah, for sure. It's sad. It's sad when people feel like that they're at, an, at a point in their lives where there's nothing else but the end. And they feel like they're completely alone. And they don't realize, like, there's so many people that deal with the exact same things. Like, every single oh, one yeah. of these people that jumped and, and killed themselves in that respect. Like, there's just there's a sadness that comes with knowing that they were at, at, their, at, at, an, at a point where they felt like there's nothing else. There's nothing else for them to do. Do you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Um, yeah. But always know that you can reach out. And there, yeah, there's the suicide prevention hotline. There's all of these places that, that are available to people that need it. So um, sad story in terms of what it is. It's very odd that so much is tied to this one hotel, if you ask me. Um, it's almost, in, for me, you know, because we're into this kind of stuff, the creepy side of things, I kind of want to see what's up with the land. Like what was going on beforehand? Was there a curse there? Yeah. You know? Like. 
That's a good question. Like, uh, what happened at that place before that that building was built there? So much. Why there's so much, so much like tragedy that's just drawn to this area. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of hotels out there that have had weird, strange, odd things happen at them. I mean, any place is going to have a lot of different people coming in and out. Yeah, especially in your bigger cities where there's a lot of people who travel that type of thing. Uh, But yeah, I mean, to have so many things like that that are just weird and strange uh you know and just even down to you know serial serial killers being drawn to it yeah that type of thing yeah i'm with you on that what's going on there what's the what's with the land it's probably something very odd very incredibly odd that is odd (laughs) and so was this episode it was yes it was very odd uh we uh i guess we're at the end we're, we're, we're there. We're we're we're, we're struggling. We're, we're 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 limping. We're getting across we the are, line. That's right. But we're going to like in cool <laughs> runnings. Even though they crashed their bobsled, they still carried it across the finish line. We're the cool runnings of podcasts. <laughs> oh God! That's okay. Right. <laughs> awesome. I want to kiss my egg because it's not broken. And walk across this finish line. Do it. And John Candy's going to cheer me on. Amazing. Now, uh, Chris, we've decided that we were not going to uh, plug ourselves. That's nope. a terrible way to say it, nope. but you know what I'm saying. Yep. Uh, so you can actually go and find out more information about us if you check out this show, as well as our other shows on the network. Uh, that's the BICBP-radio.com. You can go there find out all the things you need to know about us. Ooh, also, I want to tease that there's a, there's a History creep store coming soon. Oh, that's right. It's coming. So if you're, if you're ever wanted a shirt that said, hey, Johnny said this thing here, then <laughs> this is going to be the place to go. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, that's it for me, guys. Thanks so much for listening once again. Uh, Johnny, it was great delving into the odd parts of our history with you once again. So I'll see everyone Same. else next week. That's right. Same with you, Chris. And, as, and of course, as always, how about you just stay odd?